0: Welcome to Rockin' Our Priors. I am your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Right, so now let me present, drumroll, a unified theory of marriage. So, as you know, marriage rates are falling in some countries faster than others. Now, what explains this global trajectory and heterogeneity? Let's consider three interacting variables. One, religion and social enforcement. Two, companionship versus sexual variety. And three, women's financial security. Now, this, this, this podcast draws on my quality of research in Mexico, Morocco, Turkey, India, the US, the Gambia, and Zambia. So let me share. So, why do people marry? I think it reflects respect, love, and money. So, let's consider the first mechanism, respect. In conservative communities, marriage secures respect, while bachelors are eyed with suspicion and made to feel like failures. When are you getting married? Pesters a litany of Indian relatives. Meanwhile, Chinese singles are derided as bare branches and leftover women. The Tswana-Kogotla system of village assemblies only included married men. In Catholic Ireland, unwed mothers were shamed and sentenced to forced labour in maudlin laundries. In Mexico's small towns, divorcees are still alienated. Fear of ostracism motivates widespread conformity. So that's respect. Now here's my second mechanism. If the society liberalises, men marry due to loving devotion. Soulmates join in matrimony to assure each other of monogamous commitment. Family and friends may join the festivities, but this is ultimately a celebration of love. He voluntarily sacrifices sexual variety because he cherishes a woman's idiosyncratic personality. Companionship marriages like these are usually based on heartfelt appreciation, adoration, and some sense of equality. Now, my third mechanism is is more family-orientated. Most people want to build a family with someone who'll make a good parent. In India, Indonesia, Zambia and America, grooms put a premium on women's youth and education. Financial security matters a bit more to brides who often seek to sort of lock down commitment while still in their prime. Now, if I get a little bit philosophical conceptually that first mechanism respect that's a second order desire it's premised on the norm perception that marriage is widely revered the second two mechanisms two and three those are first order desires for one's true love whatever that may be um so that that's a crude binary between first and second order desires and or between your Norm perceptions of what others value versus your own internal, uh, your your own personal preferences, your own internalized ideologies. So that's that's a crude binary, merely intended for conceptual clarity. Reality is, of course, a muddied, overlapping spectrum. Now, if secularization outpaces gender equality marriage rates should fall. If social enforcement breaks down, men may opt out of marriage, especially if they prefer sexual variety. Nietzsche put it best, if God is dead, then everything is permitted. As Latin America becomes less religious and more individualistic, there is less compunction to marry. And since Argentina has secularized more rapidly than Mexico, its marriage rates have fallen more sharply. Now here, I think, is a more novel implication, and a more novel argument from me: a plethora of single ladies may perpetuate a negative feedback loop. So when bachelors are scarce, women tend to out-compete each other with beautifications, sexual charms and, and sexual invitations promiscuity is actually highest in countries like the Baltics where men are in short supply. So as male incarceration in El Salvador makes it harder to find a boyfriend, women may be raising their offer. That's a speculation, I haven't seen it tested. But I'd put some money on it. Now the ensuing disappointment depresses trust and commitment. As the share of single ladies grows ever larger, men enjoy even more opportunities for infidelity. Romance comes to resemble a prisoner's dilemma in which one or both choose to defect. And then there's a second reason why the decline of marriage begets a negative feedback loop. If a man expects that his dating pool will remain large, he may rather keep his options open. Why settle when the grass could always be greener? By contrast, where mates are scarce, men tend to avow monogamy. For example, a college-educated US male whose peers have all tied the knot may anticipate sudden drought and thus eagerly express commitment. So, men make their own choices, but to paraphrase Marx... They do not make these choices under circumstances chosen by themselves. Skewed sex ratios and high shares of singles yield myriad temptations. Now, why would women opt out of marriage? I really think it comes down to romantic disappointment and economic independence. Since women bear strong attachments to their children and usually earn less than men... They have a strong financial incentive to marry, as soon as possible, since we age and then men like us less. Mexican women may tolerate abuse and infidelity. There are two common expressions, which I won't say in Spanish because I'm crap. One, everything for the children. And secondly, it doesn't matter if he has ten chapels, as long as I am the cathedral. So when women gain economic security such as through public pensions in Argentina or lotteries they may be inclined to divorce we should thus expect more single mothers in communities with small gender gaps in earnings and or generous public welfare if men can manage if women sorry if women if women can manage independently why endure men's infidelity Now, let me summarise. So that is my unified theory of marriage. People marry for love, money or social approval. Financial considerations are especially salient for women if they earn less and bear responsibility for the kids. But when women become economically independent, they needn't tolerate disrespect. And systematically, marriage rates tend to fall with secularisation, individualism and gender parity in earnings. The rise in single women may even reinforce a self-perpetuating cycle. Why settle if there are plenty of fish in the sea? Moreover, a multitude of sexual invitations may exacerbate promiscuity and distrust. So what's the solution? Well, some seek to reverse this downturn by normatively championing marriage. But such policing really won't make any difference in cultures like the US that are highly individualistic, that first mechanism is long broken down. Like King Canut commanding the sea to stop, it is not clear that any of these drivers can be reversed. And so for fans of marriage, I apologise for a very depressing podcast. Let me know what you think. Thank you very much. This is Rocking Our Prize and I'm Dr Alice Evans. Take care.